back into it. So this is the uh, update in the Delphi murder case that we're covering today. The original defense team for Richard Allen are now back on the Delphi murders case. Yeah, Bradley Rosie and Andrew Baldwin filed to represent Richard Allen, and the news came as a shock just 24 hours ago and only a few hours after the Indiana Supreme Court heard arguments about the case. But experts say this does not mean those attorneys will not get taken off the case again. Fox 59's Eric Graves is back in the studio with us this afternoon. Yeah, you know. So they, so basically what happened is there was a court hearing there was arguments back and forth whether or not Richard Allen could get his attorneys back. I think the other argument was if um, if he does get his attorneys back, if trial can proceed 70 days uh, after the decision, you know, to speed up the court. And I think there was the other third decision was on whether or not they were going to um, retain the judge or not. So Richard Allen won one of three. His his lawyers were retained. Uh, trial, though, is still set for, I believe, in October. And the judge uh, goal still remains as the judge. Uh, first and foremost, what do you think, Jaime, about do you think it was the right move or not to give Richard Allen the attorneys that he uh, of his choosing? Uh, you froze, man. I, I don't know if I you can, can I hear me. I can hear uh, you now. Yeah, could you okay. hear me, Blue? I can hear you. Uh, okay, I, it was Hyman. All right. So basically, what I, I said was, um, no, no problem. Uh, basically, what I said was, do you think it was the right move to get Richard Allen and his attorneys back? Yeah. No, I think that was the best the best um, outcome he could have gone for. You know, could have got. Um, you know, the, the, the fact is that at the end of the day, it's his choice, you know, and you can't yeah. take that away from um, That's true. I know, I know the, his, you know, the lawyers itself said that about the judge that he, they pretty much bullied them right into uh, opting out of the, of the case. But, you know, I think at this point, if the lawyers are reinstated into for Richard Allen, I think they should change the judge. But I don't know if that's going to affect the outcome of the seven months that we already have for the start of this trial. I, I don't, I don't know if it will. Um, but his attorneys wanted wanted Richard Allen's case to be uh, started a trial start within seventy days. One one thing that was said in that uh, in that piece was that it didn't mean that they couldn't be removed later. Now, if we go back to why they were removed, um, apparently the judge had told the uh, the attorneys that they were going to have an, uh, you know, a hearing and that more than likely they were going to be um, kicked out of off the case. So they, she was giving them the opportunity to resign before fired, basically. And you know, they felt that they weren't given the, uh, the proper amount of time uh, to answer to these allegations as to why they're going to kick her kick them off the case and so the argument was from uh, Richard Allen's defense team is that like you said that they were kind of forced into it they had no uh, time to react or prepare for it and um, but the thing is it had to do with you know the release of the pictures and stuff so she found them to be neglectful now they can still have that hearing that she told them about 
And if they have that hearing, they can still be kicked out at that point. Do you think that that might be the reason why they didn't give him the 70 days is because they anticipate a hearing where they're going to have those attorneys removed and, and the other two put back in. What do you guys think? I think so. Yeah. yeah I think that there's a possibility that, I mean, they were found to be leaks in their, but they, uh, you know, in their organization, but they, you know, they, they fired the person that was leaking the information. So, mm-hmm. They're incredible, but it's one of those things where, like, some of the stuff that they did to fix it, they probably they could have done better. So maybe the lawyer or the judge is going to say, "Hey, I know you guys you want these guys to represent you, but if you, you know, are found guilty, automatically it's going to be like it was. A, I want a, I want another trial. These guys were incompetent. So maybe to avoid that, they wanted to switch just the." the lawyers that way they can have, you know, more of a competent trial. Right. No, and I agree with that. Uh, And I think that that's the move that the judge was doing. It wasn't so much a move to, to hinder Richard Allen. I think it was actually a move to, to help him. Right. You know, because if, if these attorneys are acting incompetent, it, they shouldn't be representing him. He should have the best representation you know, out there that's going to, you know, work for him the best and having documents leaked out in the manner that they were without any context to it with him being who's been arrested and charged for these crimes, people are going to associate. And and I know there's a big movement on YouTube, but that's not everybody. Right. You know, and, and there's, there's few comments saying, you know, Richard Allen is innocent, this and that. Uh, There's a lot more people that, that think he, he did it. Right. And if those pictures come out and they see that they think he already did it and they're going to attribute those pictures to Richard Allen. And that's not going to equal to a fair trial. So I think that that could be another reason why they're prolonging the trial, because maybe perhaps the longer we get away from the situation where uh, the pictures were leaked, the less you know, they're out there. I mean, uh, you know, people have short-term memory. So, you know, they'll, they'll know that it happened, but with time, it won't be as big of a thing. You know what I mean? There's yeah, reasons behind things. Time. Yeah. So do you guys think that she's going to pull the hearing? What do you think? I mean, do you think she's going to pull the hearing and pull the judges? I mean, the attorneys after all. I hope not. I hope not, because if they could do that to him, they could do that to anybody. You know, even if one of us is out there needing our lawyer and he gets bullied off of the case and we need him back or we want him back, we don't have a say. So, you know, that's our right. Mm-hmm. So them taking it away from him or removing the his lawyers is like kind of taking away our right, you know, or his right. Right. Well, I mean, they in the beginning, they, they kind of spoke about uh, a possibility of him signing or waiving his right for appeal based on incompetent lawyers. All right. And, and they seemed very hesitant in doing that. They didn't want to do that at all. It, it seemed to me like that was almost um, something that they want to keep in their back pocket as a possibility. If they, if Richard Allen indeed ends up becoming found guilty of, 
I think it's now going to be five charges instead of the, just the two. So, uh, or six charges, something like that. We'll, we'll get into that. I have a, uh, video we'll watch about the charges stuff, but, um, yeah, I think that, I think there's a possibility they do that, that hearing, you know, because think about it like this. If they get to a situation where, um, the attorneys object to something and they don't get their way with the judge. Do you think that Richard Allen's attorneys are going to file something like, Hey, you know, she was more objective towards us than in the prosecution. And, you know, they could use that as a tactic to just object to, to everything, knowing that it's going to get overruled, knowing that, Hey, we'll have X amount of, you know, overrules compared to the other, you know, team. It might look better in appeal. What, what do you guys think about that as a tactic? Yeah, like almost like using it as like a, like a stance for mistrial. Pretty yeah. Much. Well, not not so much a mistrial, but an appeal for a like new bias. trial. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everything's not incompetent. I mean, I guess. I mean, what would you call it? I guess they're saying some misconduct issues. Um, but it is in, incompetent to have somebody, you know, you're supposed to keep those things locked up if, you know, regardless of anything, regardless of it was a ex-employee or whatever the case may be, that's your responsibility. You know, your attorney, you're responsible for that. We've had a defense attorney on our podcast say, you know, that's why some people, you know, don't hire many or big groups and you have to really know your paralegals and really know because there's a big trust to that because you're responsible for their actions. This isn't something that, that, that Richard Allen's uh, attorneys are finding out for the first time. This is something that is taught. This is something that, you know, this is something that you have to uh, have to understand and be able to uh, explain and, and do all these things. It's part of the process of becoming a lawyer. So I, I don't fault this. Oh no, it's not incompetence. It's misconduct. It's this or that. Eh, I don't know. I mean, if, if the Indiana State Supreme Court said that it's it's misconduct or whatever the case may be, I guess. But to say that it's not incompetent, uh, I, I don't think so. I think it is very much incompetent for them to have had this leak occur. What do you guys think? It's it's it sucks that it happened, but something that the main lawyer cannot prevent. Man, you don't know what your staff's going to do, even though you do have them sign, you know, the uh, MDAs to keep everything private. It's people like to gossip. People like to. to well, they're not going to arrest him, Blue. I'm saying that he's responsible for his employee. He so is. if his employee screws up, right. I mean, as a business owner, if if somebody goes and screws up, using my company does he get sued or does the company get sued no the company gets sued okay so who's responsible there regardless of anything maybe you and that person but there's a a smidge of responsibility to the owner or the it's not a smidge my man it's yeah, it's it's like 99% in fact it's it's probably even more than that now you you as the as an employee employer you can 
you know, fire that employee for their actions and their conduct. And you wouldn't have to pay, you know, their, um, you know, unemployment payment, but you are responsible for their actions to a certain extent. Now, if they go far above and beyond and, you know, commit a, the ultimate crime, like somebody, you know, is using their job to break into houses and, and this and that, but to, to, to a certain extent, and not so much like a legality where they're going to arrest these guys. This is on the on the civil side, right? Whether or not they're going to allow him to represent these this man. They're responsible for it. lawyer. You know, our, our our defense attorney came on and said word for word, they are responsible for what their paralegals and people that oh, yeah. work for them do. They are. They are. I mean, they 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 should only give limited access information to the paralegals and a lot of it has to stay private between right. him and the client they mm-hmm. can't give all the information to the paralegals they only have to give them what they need them to work on exactly and i mean apparently this person had access to where it was and was you know it should have been under lock and key that's that's what it should have been and, and the fact that it wasn't you know, I, I'm not saying, like I said, that they should be, you know, arrested for contempt of court or any of those things. But should they be responsible for the actions? Yeah. And I'm not saying both attorneys, just the one attorney that it happened to. The other attorney that it didn't happen to. Yeah. You know, I don't understand why there, there's a big deal for him being kicked off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I understand. You know, so action or consequence to every action, you know. Yeah. And 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 the guy who committed this is also having his own consequences. He's not getting off scot-free. He's facing the criminal charges. He's facing all these things. So, you know, there's the difference there between the civil aspect or and the criminal criminal aspect of the case. And in this part, you know, whether or not they're gonna be held on as his attorneys is not a criminal aspect. So under this particular portion of the law, he's responsible for what occurred. In my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong, but um, I do think that they're going to end up pulling in the, uh, um, they might end up doing a hearing. I'm not sure. Do you think if they do the hearing and take the attorneys off blue, that it looks uh, bad on the prosecution slash this the uh, the the justice system that they took his lawyer away twice. No, I mean it's just there was some some errors committed, and I think they're trying to give him the most fairest trial they can, or trying to. Also, that you got to look at the other aspect. They're probably trying to give the families a fair hearing, you know what I mean? They're not going to have to go through this big old rodeo and then have to do it again. All because, you know, they could have done it right the first time. They could have changed something the first time that they knew was going to come up later. And then the families had to go again to court to see if he's going to be found, you know, because the verdicts can change sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, I believe the defense had a um, point where it said that if a person can choose to defend themselves, you know, and themselves not be a, uh, 
an attorney or, or knowledgeable in the crime that, that's being committed or, or anything or possibly not even knowledgeable in, in the legal system at all. If they can defend themselves, he can appoint somebody knowing the facts of what occurred. Yeah, I can. agree to that, too. Yeah. Like I said, it's, I'm I, I'm pretty much on both sides on this one. Like That's what he wants to be represented by. And go for it, but you know there might be some stipulations where, like, okay, if you're found guilty, no mistrials because they were your judge, they were your lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know. See, I would agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're not agreeing to that. Yeah, you no, know? it's too much of a risk. He knows that if he's going to get found guilty, he can't. He won't be able to do a mistrial. Not under that instance. What do you think, Ivan? Well, first of all, like, if the judge remains on this case, right, and the lawyers as well, at the end of the day, when let's say he becomes, he comes out that it's, it's um, the verdict comes out guilty on Richard Allen, they can still appeal, right, just for the fact that the judge um, removed them that first time. Um, maybe not because of that, but if they do what I was saying earlier, where, yeah, like biased, yeah, yeah, yeah they they say that that she was treating them biasly. Then yeah, I think that they probably do have have an avenue there. You think yeah, that it would probably be? Do you think it would be in the best interest of, um, you know, of the case for the judge to, um, release to release? Yeah, to remove herself. I think so. I think so. If if it's not going to add, you know, I see the the point when you have different um, lawyers taking over a case, right? That's already down the road seven months from the, from the beginning of the trial because then they will just prolong it to probably like the following year, right? Because mm-hmm. they need time for themselves uh, to prepare a case. But when it comes down to the judge, if it doesn't, you know, affect that, the, you know, time-wise, it doesn't affect the, the start of the trial, then I think that's the, that should be the way to go. Remove the, the judge, keep the lawyers and remove the judge. I agree. I mean, regardless of who the judge is, in my mm-hmm. opinion, it should always be based on the evidence. So yeah. if the judge is out of there, does that change anything? You know what I mean? Uh, in my opinion, it doesn't. You know, if the evidence says that he's guilty, then he should be guilty regardless if somebody else comes in and, and is the judge, as long as, you know, they are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, eligible or certified to be a judge in this situation where there is a, uh, where this is a DP case, right? Uh, or, or I'm not sure if it is actually, they haven't said, um, but with the charges they brought up now, I think that they, there's a possibility that they could go that way. Let's bring that up real quick and let's talk about that. Where is it at? There it is. Well, we want to get right to that breaking news in the Delphi murders case today. Several big events unfolding really within just minutes of each other. The prosecutor wants to add more charges against Richard Allen, additional murder and kidnapping charges. Also, the state Supreme Court justices heard arguments about who the attorneys and judge on the case will be. Allen is accused of killing Abby Williams and Libby German nearly seven years ago. And we start with these new charges, specifically 
two charges of murder and two charges of kidnapping. Scott Swan is here now and a lot of big questions about this development and what it means, Scott. Yeah, a lot of developments today, Dustin, and we want to go ahead and break that down tonight with our legal expert. Katie Jackson Lindsay is a local criminal defense attorney. Thanks so much, Katie, for joining us in You're studio. So why did the prosecution decide to add two counts of felony murder and two counts of kidnapping in addition to the two counts of murder? Well, only they can truly answer that, right, Scott? But it appears that the reason that they have given for doing so is that those charges were already inherent, the information that they had from the outset or at the conclusion of the investigation. So their position is that they're not really adding anything new, nothing that should be a, prize, a surprise to the defense, but instead they are just adding charges that are more in line with what the evidence has shown. All right, so maybe you can help explain to our viewers the difference between a murder charge and a felony murder charge. Sure, so in Indiana, murder is the knowing or intentional killing of another human being. Felony murder means that you committed some other crime, some other felony, and during the course of that crime, someone died. And so under that theory, the state doesn't have to necessarily prove that Mr. Allen was the killer versus being able to prove that he was somehow involved in the killing, specifically involved in kidnapping. Uh so that's been the debate, huh? The debate has been, you know, are they charging Richard Allen with just being the guy that was on the bridge? Do they think there was somebody else out there? I think this answers that question. You know, I had said that they were charging him with felony murder because it was an enhancement. You know, I felt that they thought that that Richard Allen was the guy and that they were possibly doing this because they might lean towards a, a DP situation. I think that's going to end up being the case here. Now, with these charges, they're accusing him of the not just committing of the crime, but also the 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 kidnapping portion of it and the you know everything else around that situation six different charges what does that say to you guys you think they're going for a dp oh yeah they're going for the maximum and they'll you know that's what i think too. yeah i mean i mean like i said before like this case is crazy you know it's from from the the lawyers um Odinism thing mm -hmm. to even other suspects that were involved that were supposedly involved that didn't turn mm -hmm. out uh, at this point I think they're just trying to get everything they can on him that way they can get on the maximum when the verdict if the verdict comes out as guilty yeah yeah I, I agree with that um, what do you think Blue yeah I think um I think they're they're lining it up to get all the charges done at once, instead of having to have a few trials. You know what I mean? No, they can't. No, they 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 do it all at once. The 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 I don't think they ever do anything split up. But, um, you know, I I think this shows maybe some confidence in the case as well, that they're not saying, oh, you know, we can't prove, um, other than he was the guy on the bridge. Right. Because that was some people. That's what some folks were thinking is that the police could only prove that he was the guy on the bridge and that he may have forcibly took him somewhere. That they couldn't prove that he was the guy that actually committed the crime. I'm not sure where they're getting some dots pointing from 
he's the guy on the bridge, but not the guy that committed the crime. I'm not, I'm, I don't see that dot connection, mm-hmm. but um, some people think they can see that. And well, anyways, so I think this says for sure that they think not only was he the guy on the bridge, but he's also the guy that took their lives. You think that this leads to confidence in the case? What do you think, Jaime? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's if charging him or putting more charges on him doesn't tell you more that they have the most confidence in the case that they they have. I don't know what mm-hmm. will. Right. I mean, they have because honestly, if it's if he's not the guy, man, they're going to be losing a lot. They have everything to lose. Yeah, that's true. Very true. What do you think, Bo? Yeah, I think uh, I think that there's enough evidence there to to say he wasn't just on the bridge. You know, we have known fact that they have the evidence of the bullet casing and the bullet, not just the casing, but at, at the site where the bodies were found. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's probably something else that they have or know that we don't know yet. So we'll wait until uh, more evidence comes out. I mean, it's just like in the Brian Koberger case, which we will be talking about here briefly or in a, uh, in a moment. That's what I meant. Not talk about it briefly. We're going to go in depth into it. Uh, but, you know, just like in that case, you know, everybody looks at the probable cause affidavit and thinks that that's it. There's nothing else. Uh, there, there's a whole huge investigation that goes after the arrest. Right. You know. There's the warrants and so much other stuff. We don't know the majority of what they know about Richard Allen. You know what I mean? So is it possible they found some kind of smoking gun that we don't know about? Similar to like uh, Alex Murdoch when they had the uh, Snapchat video. Nobody knew about that until trial. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think there's a lot, way more, like you said, that they have against Richard Allen. That we know, because we only got we only got in whatever's been leaked or what has been you know um, said it yeah released on on the news and stuff like that. And I'm sure there's yeah. way more. Yeah, I mean, just look at the case that just happened here last month. I just saw they arrested a suspect for um, there was a gentleman found thrown on the highway off the highway with a bullet in the back on his back, uh, you know. Was, was hmm. murdered. Hmm. Um, they tracked his phone. They saw he was conversating with somebody. They went back, surfaced, surveyed the area, found some surveillance camera footage of him, and the police were able to. Then, when they found out who it was, because uh, they got a tip that they that they knew the name of the person that was on the camera, they tracked his phone after they, um found out who he was and that phone led him right to where he pulled over the highway and dumped the body with his cell phone data damn who knows that they got were able to go back then and be able to go through his cell phone data because we know he had his phone he admitted mm-hmm. he was looking at the stock market that means he had internet yeah so, yeah he did have his phone I'm not sure how far back that those those things can trace or go back, but you know, that could be one thing why they think or, or they have been able to put more charges on him is the fact that they do have those locations on his phone. 
You know, they may not have had that until after his arrest and they had actually his phone in their possession. Um, you know, I know that the historical data, which is the, uh, which is the, uh, like the triangulation stuff, that's not very accurate, but once you get the guy's phone and you know, what apps uh, that, that are on the phone, you can then, um, you can then get a warrant from those apps for their GPS location, right? Now, if you're looking at a stock trader, uh, I think that those have to, you know, know where you're, you're trading from. So you probably do have to give your, your, your location there. So the fact Ooh. that he, he may not have actually been looking at it, but the fact that he merely maybe had that app on his phone, yeah. I mean, right there, that could probably pin him on his GPS location. I mean, that's what I would go look at. Yeah, especially because some of these apps, they're still working in the background. They don't like just because you're not using them doesn't mean they're on. They're constantly on tracking mm -hmm. all this stuff that you're doing. Yeah. So that could be the case. Uh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they can go that far back. We don't know. But like, like you said, the investigation, what we have is what they used to arrest him. We don't know mm -hmm. what they found at his home. We don't know what they carried out. They were digging in the backyard and the, they were looking in the fire pit for evidence and there's no evidence to show what they found, I think, yet. Well, supposedly, they, they, they dug up something in his backyard, uh, but it was a small dig. Something probably maybe perhaps a thumbnail, maybe thumb drive uh, might fit into that they pulled out of the ground. You know, there was there was a lot of speculation in the probable cause affidavit and the um, in the Ron Logan search warrant that law enforcement believe that whoever committed this crime took photos, you know, of the scene. Yeah. And let's go back to when this happened, 2017, our thumb drives, things like that, probably more common than what they are now. I think so. You know, and if you want to take a picture of something that you don't want getting around, you know, maybe you take it on a, on a different type of phone or something or camera. Yeah. And it has the the little card on the side that you can put. Mm -hmm. It just and it saves it to that. Then you can transfer that to your to a thumb drive or flash drive. Yeah. Or what are they called? Th yeah, so, I think it's a little thumb drive. Yeah, but I wonder what what if they're gonna use maybe his confessions on him. That once he confessed to his wife that he didn't know he was being recorded. Now nah, you know you're being recorded. Yeah, everybody me. knows. <laughs> like everybody knows, man. Like this, this. He didn't know, but you know, uh, you know, I know you know. Well, I mean, they tell you. They tell he's you, also but... been acting kind of weird, so he might use the, you know, his mental state. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. For him making those, those well, uh, phone calls. The thing is, apparently, those weird actions that he was doing didn't start happening until he confessed to, I think, his wife or his mom, after the. I guess the first time that he confessed, according to the state or whatnot, that's when he began to like eat his papers and wouldn't eat and throw things and was um, being disruptive. He had to get tased and all this other stuff. Right now, his attorneys are complaining that they bring him in in shackles, right? That they have him chained up around his, his hands and they shackle his legs. I don't think they understand that he's probably on, you know, uh, the Clinton list of the hospital, I mean, of the jail, 
you know, they're worried that he's going to vanish or, you know, not vanish, but take himself out, Epstein himself. And so that could mean a lot of things. I mean, he could be, if he's not shackled like that, walking through general public, uh, he can grab at something, grab at a, uh, a, a guard's gun or taser or baton or whatever they use, you know, in that prison. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it just could go bad. I mean, he's under watch for being somebody who's unstable if they're willing to take their own. Right. And, um, you also have to figure in that apparently he's eating papers. He's, you know, causing issues. He's having to get tased because of his behavior. Right. I mean, are you going to just let somebody that's doing those things, who's accused of committing a horrible crime, just walk around like I like it's Sunday school there? Hell no. Do, do you think it's an act? Him, you know, because it also goes down to his appearance. I mean, look how also how he looks a lot more fragile than he did when he went in. Well, I think that had to do with. That didn't start until after he told his wife something. So I yeah. think that there's a there's a world out there where uh, maybe perhaps it came out or it slipped or or his wife got to him in the moment. And for a brief moment, he forgot he was being recorded. And then when he realized that he had, you know, uh, confessed, he began to act out and do crazy stuff. Uh, so that way he can use that as a defense as to why he confessed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no, there's condensary, but there's no, uh, there's no uh, CPS snacks there at, at the prison that you can get all day. Out. So, uh, of course, everybody's appearance, everybody does tend to lose weight. The people that do tend to gain weight when they go is because they were crack addicts, meth addicts, and they weren't eating. You know what I mean? They were hooked on something that was, you know, depriving their, their, their um appetite so, so like somebody weight. with like sunken jaw like really sunken eyes with some really bushy eyebrows suddenly gains weight and, and, and while he is waiting for trial you think that there's a possibility because that person may have been on something it can be yeah it makes sense like, you know they they're when you're on certain doing certain drugs you lose your appetite Mm -hmm. And you know, or it gives you so much energy, just burning that your your calories like crazy when you're saying what drugs you're using. And then, you know, some people are saying that it's the uh, Odin situation, guards and and Odin patches and stuff. And, and I get I get the concern. I think it's a little. I don't know anything about it, right? I don't know anything about this Odin stuff. Uh, I've seen some videos of of Odin stuff when I've been looking for it, right? Because of this case. And I've seen families acting kind of like in a, like, what is it like live action role play LARP? It looks kind of like that. Like there's kids yeah. and stuff, right? Um, some like say that, that it's a, uh, like a religion to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it'd be kind of like, you know, if somebody committed this crime and, and instead, you know, placed these girls as the sign of the cross, does that mean that every Christian is out to get this guy? No. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And if it was like that situation, 
I believe something would have happened to him already, so he wouldn't talk. Yeah. Had access to him that whole time, and it was released that he's has fear for his life because of Odinism. He should have been pleading at the judge's desk, uh, you know, with the warden right in the beginning, right when he was arrested, but he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's like a big show to me sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Jesme says, dude's off topic. I was on a flight in Boise City next to Jack's mom. She showed me a video of uh, Murphy opening his Xmas present. Odd, but she talked. Oh, that's good. Jack, I'm, I'm assuming that's Jack DeCore's mom. And, and yeah, I've seen some videos of, of Murphy and stuff. It's sad, man, to know that, you know, I, 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 obviously I have like crap little dogs that <laughs> I like dogs. Um, you know, that dog being able to hear everything that occurred that night. You know, I feel bad for the dog too. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I know here in Texas, we can't wear anything on our uniforms. Yeah. You know, I get it. I, I understand. Um, but you know, in Indiana, I'm not sure how those rules are or how those things go about. But like I said, if, if this person would have aligned these bodies like crosses, that doesn't mean that every Christian is going to be out to get this guy. And, you know, they've moved him from one location to several hours away and they're still complaining about his treatment right? That they have him looking like Hannibal Lecter. I just, you know, you know I, I don't know. Not, I think, go ahead, Blue. They're not going to put him in the, you know, comfy lounge with some, you know, his favorite sitcom on there with the tea time. He's in a prison. Right. Yeah. They expected to put him in the suite or something? Yeah. Right. I, I don't know about them, but I they're, they're defense attorneys. But I've gone to Mexican security prisons, not as a prisoner, but just uh, on tour when I was in criminal so justice in school. You only mm-hmm. need to be there once and you never want to go back. But, you know, everything was like plain, you know, metal tables, metal chairs. Nothing can be moved. Everything was stable, you know what I mean? Like, because inmates would end up trying to hurt themselves with it or hurt somebody else with it. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be a comfortable stay. It's not the Ramada Inn down the street where they had, you know, all the breakfast, <laughs> all the immigrants coming over and laying in, in the fountain out there because uh, the Moto Six pool was full. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think the fact that there's, you know, there's talking about it and, and complaining about it is because of the fact that he's, you know, obviously he's innocent until proven guilty. I think that's good. That's why they're doing it. They, they don't see, I think for them, they don't, he sh- they feel like he shouldn't be treated as someone that's guilty, in other words. Well, I mean, it's presumption of innocence, not, yeah. you know, we're going to let you free and go. What it means is that you're not going to, they're not going to like, do the punishment aspect of what happens. For instance, yeah. if this was a DP case, they're not going to execute you, you know, before yeah. you're tried and stuff like that. Right now, there's a lot of rules and, and stuff that goes into the constitution, into the law book, you know, cause people would say, Oh, it's, you know, it's simple as, you know, presumption of innocence. And I'm like, it's a little more complicated than that. You know, not everybody gets a bail or a bond. You know, some people, depending on their crime, does not have do not have that right. 
you know, and it's, it's in there that everybody has that right. Everybody should be presumed innocent, but depending on the nature of the crime and the possibility of somebody fleeing, there's reasons and things that can apply that will, that is okay. And that it's, it's allowed Mm -hmm. for those rights to be removed. It's not just him. You know, it happens to a lot of people, majority of people that commit crimes like this. Yeah, they're flight risks. That's why sometimes they don't give them the the bonds Mm -hmm. or the bill. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I I just don't see it as something that they're singling him out as. You know, the shackles, I don't think that's something singling him out as. You know, just based on the fact that, you know, the nature of the crime that he's been accused of and, you know, the possibility of him hurting himself. And the mm-hmm. possibility of him, um, you know, the fact that he'd been acting out as well, yeah. you know, according to them. I don't know. I wasn't there. So I, I do tend to believe that majority of the time law enforcement is, is is doing the right thing. I do know that there's some cases out there that they didn't. But I do think that because of the checks and balances that there are right now and and because of the technology, it's pretty difficult for somebody to do things uh, yeah. that everybody thinks is going on. And especially when you have multiple agencies and, and state and and federal agents looking into things, it makes the the opportunity or the the chances of something nefarious happen within law enforcement less likely. Now, do 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 some things you know fall through the cracks? Yeah, but to say that you know this jail, that jail, and you know this judge now, and you know that's not even from that area; that's from a different area. I think it gets to a point where it's it's too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's watch let's watch this video and then we'll we'll click on over to we'll talk about Brian Coburg and the news and and and, and Moscow, uh, Idaho. And he was at Allen's hearing today. Bob, what do you make of these proceedings today? An actual Supreme Court appearance in a state before a, a trial even gets underway. It's unusual, uh, especially in the middle of a trial and really getting to that level of the Supreme Court, you know, because this is what they call an original action or writ of mandamus. Typically, the step is to go either on what they call an interlocutory appeal, which is an appeal that happens while the trial is going on, or they appeal after they're convicted. So for to go to this extent, and it was one of the major things that was argued today, especially by Judge Gull's attorneys with respect to they skipped a step, it shouldn't be here. So yeah, it was very unusual. If you're a fan of true crime and you scour the internet for everything you can on the Delphi case, you'll see a lot of skeptics. Like you will see a lot of people who say, I think they got the wrong guy. Um, but, you know, the Internet's one thing. So what what is your read on this case? Well, when the probable cause affidavit dropped, I was one of those out there with a pretty loud voice in terms of the podcast that felt it was a very weak probable cause affidavit because it basically amounted to mere presence and then, you know, a basically uh, a shell casing that had not discharged through the weapon. And that was basically it, aside from four witnesses who all gave a different description. And that goes to just exactly what the issue is with eyewitnesses. They're just- all right. So let's kind of talk about this. Now, first and foremost, in this case here, uh, I think there's definitely more question uh, and cloud uh, versus the Brian Koberger case. I think that one is a lot clearer. I think there's a 
there's a clear light at the end of that tunnel and that tunnel's going straight. You know what I mean? That's not winding at all. In this case here, there's some interesting aspect to it. For me, it's the um, the fields guy, the guy that said that he was out there. He spit on one of the girls. He has some things that he has said that to me seems kind of weird. Right. Um, do you guys agree that this was a weak probable cause affidavit? I, I think so. I really do. I think not not per se weak, I guess, but, you know, the details, it wasn't as much detail as it was with Brian Colbert, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think, like you said, for him to be saying stuff that, you know, a lot of people didn't know at the time, you know, it, it, t- it says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What What about you, boo? I, I, well, yeah. What about you, boo? I was going to say something, but what, what do you think? I, I think in the beginning it was, it did seem a little weak, you know, because they were going off, you know, the, the evidence of him being there. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like I said, the eyewitnesses, they were all four different. Eyewitnesses statements are always going to be off. That's one thing that's been known mm-hmm. forever. I agree. It got stronger, though, when they got a hold of his gun and they were run, you know, the ballistic chamber um, analysis and match it to the bullet that was under the body. They matched that's- it to what? So supposedly, remember what we talked about this before, where that, that bullet that they found was unspent. Right. And it was cocked through the gun. It was shot out through the, through the, the, the ejector, right? Yeah, yeah the, it wasn't the shot out. But... Extraction marks, right? Extracting, yeah. yeah, the extraction marks. Yeah, it was extracted. To that to that that gun. And supposedly that, that is something new that they can... Right, right. Yeah, I thought you said that they matched the bullet holes under the bodies. I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) That's why I had to ask you again. No, I agree with you, man. Um, Here's the thing about the eyewitness testimony uh, is you have, well, first and foremost, you have Richard Allen putting himself on the scene and you have him seeing girls come across him as he enters the, uh, the trail. Uh, These girls, although maybe very, at what the description of the guy was, but they all remember seeing a guy come in right now. Why that's important is they basically put themselves there. They said, all right, they both crossed there. Now, how do we know that the timing of this was accurate? Well, at 126, those girls had taken a photo on a bench there and on the trail. And then after they took that photo, they walked out towards the exit. Now, all of them agree, and there's a photo time-stamped as well of that that photo was taken there. So if Richard Allen you know, initially stated that he got there at 1.30, he stated that he saw multiple girls walking in or out of the trail as he was walking in. Uh, these girls stated that it was after 1.30 or 1.26, and they have a picture proving it was after 1.26 that they saw somebody coming in matching the description to a certain extent of the person that they ended up seeing on the bridge. So you can kind of say that, all right, we can deduce that it was Richard Allen at that time. Now, based mm-hmm. on what he said that he had done, you know, walking to the bridge, looking at the fish, and then coming back out and sitting on a bench for a couple of hours before going home, doesn't make sense. 
because well, one, there were other people that had gotten on the trail and nobody saw him sitting on the bench. Nobody saw him after, um, you know, well, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt, but nobody saw the guy after he walked into the trail at 126. There was another witness that's out there that says that they saw somebody on the bridge before they saw Libby and Abby go that direction. Uh, there's been some debate as, you know, did they, did that person describe Richard Allen or not? So let's give that the benefit of the doubt and say that we don't know. Right. But he did say that he got there and based on the timing in which he, uh, how long it would have taken him to walk from the entrance of the, uh, the trail to get to where the trail ended and on the bridge, it would have taken, I believe it was like 11 minutes and that was walking real fast. And so, you know, the, the lady had gotten there at 1149 or 46, you know, he would have been there at 1141. So he would have had to have somehow gotten there look at the fish, left that area, past that entrance, that Myers entrance where she walked into within that amount of time. And it just doesn't make any sense. So uh, to me, the timeline adds up that he was the guy that was on the bridge. Um, the, the spent round does make sense. I think it can be kind of explained to a certain extent. Um, I don't know how strong it is, but if you're just going off the PCA, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasonable doubt. Um, but there's more evidence than that. I I think at least. Yeah, definitely. They're not gonna just, you know, hope that they show or not the show, but the bullet itself is going to you know, be the smoking gun. I'm sure. No, I don't think more, it is. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more evidence. Um, maybe even witnesses. You know? Yeah, there could be another witness that that we don't know about, mm-hmm. or or maybe somebody has come forward after Richard Allen's arrest, saying, "Hey, you know, he said some things before that were weird that didn't make sense." And now that he's been arrested, they make sense. This is what he had said. This is what he did. This, you know, whatever the case may be. All right. So I I don't know which way it's going to go when it comes to Richard Allen. Like I said, this one is definitely um, a lot more cloudy. And that that, that trail is a lot more windy. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Than, than Brian Koberger's case, in my opinion. Definitely. Definitely. Let's finish this just up. not reliable. So I just felt that it was a weak PCA. That didn't mean that the state wasn't going to be able to produce more evidence, because as we know, the police investigation, law enforcement investigation continues long after the arrest takes place. So I think that they assume that they'd get more whether or not they did. I don't know. But when you look at the strength of, say, Koberger's PCA in comparison to the Delphi, I was of the mindset they might have gotten the wrong guy here. And for justice for the girls, we need the right guy. You see, I, I don't know if you can say from the PCA that he's the wrong guy. Yeah, there's nothing in the PCA that that exonerates Richard Allen. Do you guys think there is? No, it's the. I mean, I guess it's pretty much like a blueprint, right? That's all it is. It's the it's bare minimum the bare evidence minimum. against against him and it's one-sided it's from the prosecution side so the defense has nothing to say in it 
So mm-hmm. I, I don't see anything that is exonerating of Richard Allen here. That I can think of, no. Not at yeah. all. So I don't I don't understand where the thought comes that he's the wrong guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can look at the uh, at the probable cause of and David and say, hey, I don't think this is enough for him to be um, the guy, right? Or even, you know, I don't think he's. This is enough to, you know, have an acquittal or or exonerate him. Me personally, like I said, I just think it's. And I judge, he he has a right to his opinion. I just think that there's nothing there that says he's. They have the wrong guy. Not yet. You know, not not well, not with the PCA. Now the stuff that Richard Allen's attorneys dropped, the 137 pages or whatever. That, that that's that's different right but the pca doesn't say they have the wrong guy yeah i mean this is this is such a um a, a tug on the heartstrings uh when you think about these families you know wanting justice and, and not wanting injustice either right but when you, when it comes to, to richard allen it took five years to to arrest him he's been incarcerated for for two years all sorts of you know transformations in his body and his mental health and, and all the rest and it feels like, and again, I don't know what the case has or what the, what the state has in terms of a case, but it feels like the the strongest evidence they might have are these these phone confessions when he's talking to his family. But if you've got mental health issues and you're repeating with cadence what the prosecutors might have on you, it could sound like a confession. I always go back to my cousin Vinny, you know, um, and, and I wonder if that's the wrong thing to think at this point, that maybe this is just not strong what they've got on the phone records. Yeah, and I, the only way that we'll know is when we hear it and when it gets vetted, you know, because of everything you said. Essentially, we've got him. In- now that doesn't make sense to me, man. He's like, "Hey, honey, how's how's how you doing? How's how's our daughter going? Good. Oh yeah, uh, I killed the girls. I mean, I didn't mean to say that. They they asked me that question like a thousand times. I accidentally repeated it. BS. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And 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 the other thing is too. Like, I don't understand the comparison to movies, right? Unless it's like a true story event, but like my cousin Vinny isn't real. Like that didn't happen. There, there isn't a case out there where somebody got the posi track you ride on the, the posi traction ride on the on car. Know. <laughs> point it out, point it out, and let me know where 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 this video got the uh, or this movie got their inspiration from. It's not real. So, you know, to me, I, I prefer to live in reality. You know, you know, some people will say, you know, according to CSI, you can get fingerprints off of blood in the tree. I, I don't know if that's true or not, I, yeah. but I wouldn't I wouldn't take the word of a TV show is all I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's just my 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 little uh, pet peeve is when people kind of uh, look at movies and say, you know, in that one movie. This happened because of this. <laughs> so you're you're telling me Big Brother's not a real house? Dang it! Oh man, that's I don't a TV show. Can be man. That's t- that's yeah. reality TV. That's what it, yes, we, it says that in the word in the in the, <laughs> in the title. I'm in in custody, uh, but he's he's also in segregation, twenty three hours a day. He simply is not going to be of the same mindset that a normal person that's out and about every day will be in because of the isolation. Uh, on top of that. Look, I've been in prisons 
for 20 years of my legal career defending people, and they are not happy places. And, and when you have a pretrial detainee like Richard Allen, which means he has not been convicted in a place where there's only convicted people, there is no presumption of innocence from either the inmates or the guards. So people need to understand if they don't think that guards try to push pretrial de uh, detainees into confessing to crimes, it happens all the time all the time. So we frankly, we just have to hear it. We have to hear context. We have to hear what he sounds like. And, and we'll find out where it is from there. And, and the defense is going to be up to the challenge. And they know it's an issue. And they're going to address it the best they can. It is, of course, um, part of why this is so fascinating. A, we want to know what happened. And then B, we want to know what they really have. And sometimes we just have to be patient. Bob Mata, thank you. So appreciate your wisdom. You think it happens all the time, guys, that guards are forcing confessions? I mean, maybe not for me. It's like maybe not guards. So, but like I'm, I've seen a bunch of, you know, what's it called, interrogations where people, uh, you know, admit or they take a responsibility for a crime they didn't do, which is super weird. But I mean, I guess the pressure that the police or the, the interrogators put on them just kind of makes them feel like if I just admit to this, it will be over, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get the angle of forcing somebody who's already been convicted of a crime to, to confess. I, I, I don't understand the motive there. Like you said, everybody that's there has been convicted. Yeah. So yeah. why are they forcing people to confess to things that they've been convicted to already? Yeah. I mean, this is something that, you know, they're, they're trying to be spiteful. Maybe they know the family. They're like, hey, just confess, let's get this over them, get the trial over. But yeah, I mean, most of the time, you know, a lot of these cases, um, like the, the guards normally rotate sometimes. So I don't even know if they deal with the same inmates. Some do, some don't. I, I I don't know. And like I said, I'm not sure, you know, how he's being treated or not, or or if it's good or bad. I, I just don't think that it says it's this horrible thing that they're trying to make it out to be, you know, because, he, you know, he talks about the guards and and him being in a place he doesn't belong. You know, if they go and put him in a in a county jail, you know, how, how big is Delphi again? Like 3000 people. How big was County Carroll? Not very big. And, and I assure you that, you know, the big prison probably pays more than the county jail does. So you probably have more of those that are willing to work in the jail system or who want to work in the jail system be at the corrections facility that's larger. So you're probably looking at an understaffed area or at least a place that's barely staffed or, or minimally staffed to the standard. You know, it's a very small place, low, small location, right? And so um, having to have somebody on 24 hour watch requires additional employees. You know, the jail system or jailers are are, are shorthanded across the board. So you're going to put a smaller jail in a more, you know, in a more difficult predicament where you can put them in a bigger place where they can actually watch him in the manner that they have, where they actually have employees who are designated for watching, um, you know, those that want to cause harm to themselves. You know, because if he ends up Epstein himself in a county jail, you know, the thing is going to be like, oh, why didn't they have guards in 24 hour surveillance? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Blue? You're pretty quiet. 
No, no, no. I was going to say, most of the time when they're on that kind of watch, they're putting like in padded rooms sometimes. It depends on how severe they are. No, mm-hmm. he's showing signs that he's going to harm himself. I know in some of the, the, the places, they strip you all the way down, man. No clothes. Throw you butt ass naked into a padded room. No bed, you know. Nothing you can hurt yourself on. Nothing you can jump on to hurt yourself. Because people can still hurt themselves. But mm-hmm. it'd take a lot of tries to off yourself that way. I mean, it'd be like running straight into a wall. Trying to snap your neck kind of deal because there's nothing else in there for you to hurt yourself with. Oh yeah, dude. I've I, I've seen people get hogtied because they wanted to hurt themselves and to yeah. prevent them from doing so. And, and it wasn't the first move. The first move was like they quit it, stop it, and then it was um, we're going to restrain you. Uh, they restrained this person to to the bars, and this was in a holding facility. At a, I think they've got arrested for like PI or DWI, something like that. I, I don't recall. It wasn't my arrest. Um, but this person was like just going crazy in the cell, right? And she, um, they end up handcuffing her and she started to bang her head like on the, on the bars and, and on the walls and stuff. And so they ended up hitting her with the water. They got this water thing and they're trying to hit her with the water to get her calmed down. You know, she didn't care going at it, you know, throwing herself against the wall. So at the end, they ended up handcuffing her, you know, hands behind her back, cuff her, cuffed her legs together, and then cuff the cuffs together. So she was basically hogtied to prevent herself from doing more harm to herself. You know what I mean? So, you know, things happen. You know, people act in certain ways. We're, we're not privileged to the way, you know, he's acting. He, he very well could be a model citizen. He could also be a pretty crazy guy, I guess. I don't know. We don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody here knows him personally. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that only way they can find that is through the prison records, hospital records, the psych records. And even at that, some of that is only privileged information. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, man. I mean, there's, there's only so much they can look into, especially medically. But, yeah. you know, to me... I, does it change the way I think or feel about Richard Allen in this case? Not really. You know, all the stuff that's came out, I'm still probably thinking that he is involved. You know, me personally, I think he's involved. Um, I don't know if there was somebody else involved with him. I think that there's a possibility there. Uh, Ellis Fields just kind of sticks out to me a little bit. Um, but I do think that he put himself there. Where, where do you guys feel as far as, you know, confidence level on this case? You think that, more than likely Indiana got their guy, or do you think that uh, there's a lot of um, reasonable doubt out there? I I think by, you know, torturing him with the kidnapping, I think that shows a lot of confidence in the, in the case mm-hmm. of the state. Um, I, I'm at probably like 70, 30 in this yeah. case, 70 that he's, a, he's directly involved with it. Then, then third that he's not. What about what about that somebody else is helping him or somebody else was involved? Do you think that what's the likelihood there for you? Oh man, it's small, but there's always that possibility. Um, especially because when you come down to it, like it's you know, it's kind of it'll be hard for a single person to control two, two other people. You know, yeah. At least yeah. that's what I would think. 
but at the same time, but at the same time, like having more people gives you that risk of getting caught easier. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, um, but you know, by the sounds of it, you know, especially like, you know, the way they made Elvis field sound, these guys weren't Brian Koberger when it comes to intelligence, you know what I mean? So, um, there's going to be probably a lot of mistakes made, you know, the F supposed F thing on the tree. Uh, some say that, and they've been able to kind of test that it could be a handprint, right? And if that ends up being the case, and that was the hand of the, uh, of the actor in that kit, in that situation, then you can probably deduce that there was a lot of mistakes made. If he's got his hand full of blood and puts it on the, on the tree there. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So interesting stuff, man. Um, what about you, Blue? Where, where do you sit on him? I can never sit on him because he's in prison, but I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're freaking... DP by sitting, you know. You know, that's different world, but... Okay. Different world. That, that didn't sound right at all, man. Uh, I, know. <laughs> I, 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 I thought about it after I said, like, dang it. <laughs> but no. Um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, you, you got me distracted again. Um, <laughs> did he well, do it? Uh, I think there's a lot of evidence that he was there. The, to me, the bullet casing, the bullet is some big evidence. I think his confession is going to be something that's going to be hard for his defense to try to get around. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think the fact of, you know, the information with his defense team put out about him, you know, not acting alone and look at these other people. It, it sounds interesting, but it also, that would have to come up to the detective work that they had to do. Right. You know, they would have to see what kind of footprints lead. Because, you know, remember, the, the, these girls were marched across the river. And if, if anybody, when anybody was know that go fishing, when you walk across the river, when you start getting 10, uh, like a couple feet away from, from the river, you start sinking in mud. So there'd be more than one set of footprints walking across that river. Right. And you, uh, you bring up three sets, you know, to, or there's five sets, you know. Right. Only the detective would know that. Right. And that's that you bring up a good point. Now, to a certain extent, maybe because there were. <clears throat> you know, people searching the area as well. But if they're in that spot in that area where they found footprints and they can determine that, you know, these were Abby and Libby and, and this was a, a the third actor. Um, what do you think they're thinking when it's like a size eight? Cause I think that's what he wears like a seven or an eight. That's, like that's, like, that's more definitive that it could be him. Right. Right. But like, how do you think they're going up to like Ron Logan and thinking that he committed this crime when he's like a six, two guy with probably a lot bigger foot than size eight. Yeah. I don't think they found the tracks. To go, this guy must shop at children's place. (laughs) (laughs) He fit his feet into these things so he could throw off the law enforcement. (laughs) That's going to be the theory, right? Uh, Well, I, I, like I said, you can't, we don't know all the evidence there to say that he's 100% you know, one way or not. I, I myself, you know, as far as his involvement, I think probably about 
I'm about 80% there. As far as somebody else being involved um, as well, I, I think that there's probably, man, I'm 50-50 on that one, dude, to be honest with you. With what Elvis Field said, you know, some of the things that he described, you know, the antlers or the horns, yeah. uh, even though that those things didn't really look like horns, um, who's to say that those things didn't, you know, those small twigs didn't move? You know, they were clearly placed there because they were on top of her hair, not her hair underneath of it. So they were placed on top of it, uh, on top of her hair. So uh, to me, I think somebody purposefully put something there. Now, as far as why they may have not looked like horns at the time they found the bodies, we got to remember how long were the bodies out there in, in, in the open? I mean, there's a good possibility that some of those sticks moved, changed locations, twisted, fell over, you know, if if it's windy or anything like that, or if there's, you know, critters. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, remember, there was a theory that the person that probably committed this owned a cat because it was cat hairs, but then in some of the evidence video pictures, you see a cat roaming around. So I was like, that's where the cat came from. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know i bet you it was it probably started off from somebody claiming to be a psychic and they probably saw the picture of the cat in the in one of the pictures and they're like there's an orange cat involved you know <laughs> like that's where i think and nothing against anybody who's psychic um you know i i don't i don't know if it's real or not i i feel like i could probably trick people into thinking that i'm psychic because i'm a little bit sensitive to details about folks and and, and, and things and I can I can come up with stuff like, for instance, there was the uh, uh, those individuals who uh, I think it was out in Florida. They uh, they all got killed. They found one in the trunk, uh, a couple of kids. They, they were all part of the same thing. They were out burglarizing and they had some sort of quarrel and they found one in a, in a trash can, I believe, and another one in, in the trunk of the car and another one outside uh, on the middle of the street or on the side of the street. And, you know, they hadn't said anything about where they where they located the third girl. Right. And but they had given enough information that I was able to say, I think they said that they uh, had to get a warrant. And that's when they discovered, you know, the third body. And so I was like, all right, you know, these are all going to be, you know, uh, together. She's probably got shot and she's probably in the trunk because the reason why is because they needed a warrant. If she was in the back seat, they wouldn't need a warrant. They can open the door based on what they see. So um, I, I even said it. I was like, I guarantee you guys shot in the, in the trunk. Now, just with that, all I could I could I could have gone out there. And, and, and I said this and the next day. It was confirmed that that was what it was. I could have gone out there and said, I, I see I see a dark space. I see, you know, um, confined place. It looks like this person's in a, you know, a, a small area. I'm seeing an automobile probably in the trunk. And I think I probably would have gotten a thousand subscribers thinking I was, I was psychic. Probably should have done that. Right. (laughs) I messed up. I should have done that. Jesus. Dang it. All right. Well, it it is what it is. Let's uh, let's just transition over a little bit. Let's talk about Brian Koberger. There's been some uh, documents dropped here of recent and let's kind of go through them. Uh, we're going to start off first with the, uh, let me share this. Oh, yeah. The public order of um, 
I should probably write a public order disclosure of IgG information. It says here on October 25th, the court issued an order addressing IgG DNA and an order for in-camera review that addressed the state's motion to prevent disclosure of the investigative genetic genealogy information to the defense of the defense motion to compel discovery of all information pertaining to the IgG investigation. On November 30th, 2023, the state submitted the, to the court in camera all IgG information pertaining to the state's investigation from both the FBI and a private laboratory. Uh, the court has now completed its review on the information provided by, by the state and the orders uh, the state to discover uh, to the defense portion a portion of the IgG information, a specific material to be provided is set forth in a sealed order protected by privacy of the IgG information, including individuals of the family tree. So he's going to get some information. Um, uh, it don't sound like it's going to be a lot. You know, uh, it's probably just going to be the names that pointed towards, towards yeah. him. Yeah, I think they're going to get whatever we already know. I mean, does it matter? To be honest with you, like, he got, it's his DNA that was swabbed that matched to the DNA that was on the knife sheath. Mm -hmm. And the evidence that they used to get that warrant for the swab was his phone activity, his uh, DNA that they picked up from pulling trash out of his parents' house mm -hmm. and, um, you know, his prior knowledge of, you know, his criminal, you know, knowledge, right? Yeah. Uh, those were things that, you know, that's all you need for the warrant. There wasn't anything on there of an IgG in the warrants. You know what I mean? There was, there was nothing there. So, it doesn't matter. It's throw it out. <laughs> it's not even being used. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like having Blue take a lie detector test, right? And let's just say Blue did something to a guy named Jeff, and my name is Jeff. Blue takes care of him, right? And um, he, he beats him up or whatever. But you get Blue gets charged, and and he goes and takes a lie detector test and he fails it. Right. And so based on that, they, they start looking into him more and, you know, they, they develop the evidence against him. Now blue looks guilty as hell. So blue's attorney then says, you know what we're going to do guys. Remember that lie detector test you failed. We're going to go ahead and bring that into evidence. And we're going to hope that that somehow shows that you're innocent. Does that make sense to you, Blue? Yeah. It does? No. I'm just joking. Sorry, I was reading the comments. I was trying to, to put them up there. Uh, was... So you don't know. So you don't know. You don't know. So what I'm saying is if somebody, um, you know, if you if you did something and you took a lie detector test and and that lie detector test proved it, you were lying. How do you see the benefit of having that information entered on your behalf as, as something that's going to show you're innocent? I think uh, probably no more than I'm guilty if I'm lying. So it would be no benefit. 
You know, you know, hold on, hold on. Okay. Exactly. There's no benefit. It's a delay tactic. Like uh, yeah. the real micro cases, it's just another delay tactic. Like they're going to get what's already there. It doesn't even matter. You know, throw, put, put the IgG in, right? You know, let's enter it into evidence. And then you can say, hey, this IgG uh, information, they never tested Brian Koberger's DNA to the DNA on the sheets. So it's inadmissible. Let's get it thrown out. So then they get it thrown out. You're freaking back at square one. Yeah. Not even using it. This is just like, let's buy more time. You know, let's let the case get less popular. Let's let the case die down a little bit because Mm -hmm. everything that's been said online or everything that people can believe that are in the jury pool. They're going to, you know, remember all the negative stuff that's said. And, you know, I think if they're worried about that, then they just maybe just do the case when, you know, push it six more months back and that's it. You know, let some time go past. Because once more cases come out and more things happen, people forget of what the, I mean, look at us. With the Delphi case, we've been investigating the other cases. There's some of the facts from the Delphi case I don't remember 100%, but. You gave me six months ago, I would remember everything. True. That's true. That's 100%. Mark says the defense is looking for a flaw in the IgG process to toss out the DNA on a technicality. The, the thing is, and, and I actually had a conversation with Gabriela, Gabriela Vargas, the defense's own witness. And, and during our conversation, uh, you know, I got her to explain that. The STR profile, which is the one that was used to compare Brian Koberger's DNA on, you know, from his from his his cheek, uh, was developed first, and that that STR profile is required for an IgG, uh, you know, um, search to begin. Right? They can't they can't create one. They can't go and do one without the STR. So. As far as food of the poisonous tree, you can only throw out something to the point where something illegal occurred. So if the STR profile was was occurred first and then the IgG profile was created second, even if there's a mix up, you can only go back to the point where the IgG was created, which happened after the STR, which is not connected to the DNA that they removed or they pulled from. Brian Koberger's cheek. So it, it it can't be thrown out. There's no technicality that'll throw it out. Um, I believe the the judge said that the argument was futile, meaning it was pointless, but he's gonna give them their day in court. Yeah. So that's that's my explanation for it. I, I hope that makes sense. You know, I've asked attorneys about it and they have uh Stated that I am correct. So let's uh let's this look at the next futile. one. It's futile. I, I need to get a I need to get a thing that says it's futile. There's a movie that the guy the judge says it is or maybe it's it's a famous actor, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it, it's gonna be funny because like like Brian Koberger is asking again for the judge to reconsider 
you know, the the indictment for for a second time. I think he's just going to go in and say, nope. And that's going to be it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Um, I was, I think, I think they're just doing it to add, you know, to prolong it mm-hmm. pretty much. I think they're going to keep, they're going to bring up everything they can to prolong it. I think yeah, that's, I mean, what I, that's what I feel. Like. They already prolonged it so far. You know, fortunately, the house was demolished. You know, hopefully, whatever set they built, whatever the FBI took, is good enough to give a good eyewitness, you know, stance of what the noise uh, sounds could have been inside the house. Right. Yeah. Robin says, what about the sheath first seen from? the door it was under maddie and the comforter so uh i I think well first and foremost the probable cause affidavit was written very poorly so what it says is is that the sheath was on the right side of maddie when viewed from the door meaning that when you're looking at maddie it was on her right side when you're looking at her from the door not that you could see the sheath from the door does that does that make sense Yes, sir. So that's kind of where that comes in. Um, it's not necessarily that they were able to see it, and, and which is why others had to be told about it, right? Because the argument was, well, why can't anybody else see it from the door? It's not that you could see it from the door. It was located on her side from view from the view of the door, on the right side of Maddie from the view of the door. Right. So that tells me that she's probably facing either on her side or, you know what I mean? If she's facing on her side, then you can't determine right side or left side based on, on her on her side or, you know, something to that effect. Now, it's um, and, and, and that has nothing to do with the IgG. You know, collecting the DNA off of the sheath has nothing to do with the IgG. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if she was on her back, stomach or side. No, no idea. What whatsoever. All yeah, right, so. you would you would have to see the, and it all varies. You have to just see the reports later, like mm-hmm. the. Even if somebody got you know multiple wounds, to the chest, if they turned over because they were trying to get up or something, they can be facing down. So it just all varies. There's right. no information on that yet that I know. Of. Right. All right, so this is the motion to unseal defendant's motion to reconsider orders denying motions to dismiss the indictment and an alternative for permission to appeal from interlocutory uh, orders. Uh, So, you know, let's let's read this real quick. It says here, Brian Coburger by and through his attorney, public defender, uh, moves the court for an order to unseal the defendant's motion to reconsider orders. So they want to unseal. Remember when they said they wanted they, that it was based off of the indictment and all these other things. What they want out there is that one person, one person, uh, it's not the PCA, it's Exhibit A. They sealed the PCA right away. We haven't seen probable cause affidavit on Brian Koberger has been out. I'll, I'll pull it up here in a little bit. Exhibit A is um, that's something something different but the probable cause affidavit is up and, and going it's in fact you know, real quick it's the first one i think that's on here 
And thank you for your support. Uh, the real micro K with your 199 super chat. Uh, probable cause of uh, uh, affidavit right here. And that is feet ET go home. So that exhibit A is the statement, but this is the probable cause affidavit. Let me minimize that so you can see. There you go. You can tell because at the end of it, it says that they have probable cause for his arrest and it's signed by the judge. So exhibit A is probably just because they use this information over and over again. Where is it at? Because this is the probable cause order. Then you have your arrest warrant underneath. Uh, they do do things differently in in Idaho, so I don't know if they call uh, your probable cause affidavit um, Exhibit A or Exhibit Affidavit because it is considered an affidavit. And this is the statement from Brett Payne. I guess it's just a statement from Brett Payne. You're probably right then. But this is what they use on the probable cause affidavit to arrest him. This is the statement from the detective who filed the charges against Brian Koberger. So this is basically the information that they use in a probable cause affidavit. All right. Now, if this was somebody that was not the lead detective, right? If this was just some random guy um, or, you know, the guy that showed up on scene first, then, yeah, it, it, it's it, it'd probably be considered something different on its own. But this is we've seen this information copied and pasted on several affidavits. This is the probable cause affidavit. Uh, let's go back. So I know that because it's been said in court that there was at least, I think, one person on the jury said that they wanted more information. I think that's what they want to get out here is that there is, you know, that's the reason why they want to unseal this. You know, they try to bring that up in court and the judge said, no, remember, we're not going to bring that up. Do you guys think that that's what they're trying to unseal? Sorry. Um, I don't think so. You don't think it's that? What do you think they're trying to unseal? I think they're trying to get more of the information from the FBI to get something to... I don't know. I honestly don't know what they're trying to unseal. That was my guess. I don't know, but I know they... They want to unseal stuff, but they want to keep some stuff sealed. I don't know if that's true. Is that true? Yeah, that's been the newest thing, and we'll talk about that one. But they want this one unsealed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's because that somebody had asked for more clarity. They wanted more information. And they're trying to use that as a reason as well. And, you know, they try to bring it up in court already. The thing is, the statue it's not uh, or the it's not beyond reasonable doubt in this portion of trial. It's just probable cause, which is like the preponderance of evidence, meaning that more than likely this guy committed this crime. Right. So okay. it, it doesn't say that he's guilty. That's not saying that there's it's him. It's just saying there's enough evidence to go to court. 
And once that was explained to the juror, they said, all right, it doesn't, uh, you know, we want to say that uh, there's enough. Here's your indictment. Let's go forward. And now, now Koberger's attorneys are saying like back in 1880 that there was the for grand jury, the uh, the bar was reasonable doubt beyond reasonable doubt. And so they're saying because this person asked for more information and because, you know, the Idaho Supreme Court or, or, or Constitution says that it's beyond reasonable doubt, then this should be thrown out and we should get a, prim, a preliminary hearing. That's basically their entire argument that they want this to be unsealed, in my opinion, from what I understand. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've been, I've been, that's my understanding too, from them trying to go back to the 1880 law that everybody's saying is ridiculous, but it's there. Yeah, I'm, but there's, there's other president that's out there since that 1880 law that shows that the, uh, that the stat, the standard for grand jury indictment isn't beyond reasonable doubt. There's been several cases since that since that time uh, I, I i don't think this is a strong move plus this really doesn't this isn't a move that says he's innocent either this is just something that's saying um you know that that somebody wanted more information they're trying to get him on a technicality oh that's fine yeah the pca probably is sealed but that's the majority of what's in the pca like the other stuff that's in the PCA is like um, on this day, Brian Koberger was fourth on this day. And then there's the seal. Then there's the, there's a bunch of other crap, but uh, for the most part, yeah. Um, that's probably going to be the majority of his stuff because it's coming from the investigative, uh, the detective, lead detective. So yeah, you're probably right. Um, anyhow. So back to this, the, Let's pull this off. So, damn it, Blue, you freaking got me all confused. Just star him, buddy. And then we'll come back to the comments afterwards. Um, Alrighty. Yeah, yeah. Just star what you want to put out there. Where was that? You were talking know. about the 1880 law. Oh, I know that. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I just... In my opinion, I, I, it, the argument there is where I was at. The argument there, there, there hasn't been an argument that says he's innocent. If you look at Richard Allen's defense team, they have an argument that says he's innocent. You know, they're saying that they, it's not just all on a technicality. Everything for Brian Koberger is him trying to get off on a technicality. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And then, then even with that alibi, it doesn't help neither. Everything that's going on is not helping, and they're not coming up with anything to, like you said, show that he wasn't there and he's not the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, you know what? I <laughs> I think I know. So, you know how that probable cause affidavit was like 19 pages? So, when you have a probable cause or that affidavit, Exhibit A, was 19 pages, when you have a probable cause affidavit, you guys have to forgive me. This has been like almost 15 years, if not longer now, <laughs> that I've been in law enforcement. 
but you only have like on the paperwork, there's only so much space you have to put in your information. So nine times out of 10, when you have something like this, you'll say, see exhibit A, and then you'll create a document, title it exhibit A, and put your information from your probable cause affidavit in there. That's exactly what this is. Took me a little bit to remember, but I, I, I got it. I remember now. So it, 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 the part of the affidavit that we don't know is going to be all the um, the seals and the, you know, the, the judge stamped it and yeah. Ryan Coburger's personal information. Um, it'll also have, um, you know, the elements of the crime. Uh, that might be on the arrest warrant where it says intentionally, knowingly committed this crime. Like I said, it's been like 15 years, y'all. But yeah, what that is, is on the probable cause affidavit, because the, the probable cause affidavit in tech, well, this isn't in Texas either, but in Texas, it's like one form and it's, um, and at the bottom of that one form, the judge has to stamp it. Right. So you can't add like pages to that one form. You can just put it, you know, see exhibit a, and then you attach that to your, your affidavit, which is why this is also do, uh, um, listed as an affidavit. Got it. I, I remember. It took me a while. Apologize, y'all. So it says here, Koberger sought sealing his filing solely based on email communication with the Latal County Prosecutor's Office, stating they wanted filing sealed. The deadline for Mr. Koberger's motion was intimate, thus in an abundance of caution, the defense filed the motion to seal. Counsel for Mr. Koberger informed the Latal County's prosecution office that the motion to unseal was forthcoming. Mr. Koberger moves the court to unseal the proceedings and filings on the basis that these filings and proceedings are not covered in the ICR 32. Mr. Koberger acknowledges the right to a public right of the public to be fully informed of the issues. But yet they come back. They want to seal some other stuff. Just kind of curious. Uh, Mr. Koberger has a right uh, for the rule to apply as it is written rather than a disadvantage him with the items remaining sealed that are not within the scope of ICR 32. I don't have a problem with this being unsealed. Do you have a problem with this being unsealed? No, and neither do they. But the ones that are ones that are sticking out, the ones that do want to keep sealed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's in some, some sort of way that might hurt, you know, their side. Right. Right. Well, they're saying that there's nothing that's going to hurt Koberger by unsealing it. Now, I think they're trying to give the perception that the prosecution wants to keep it sealed because they're hiding something. Yeah, I, I yeah. see that, too. It's like the opposite of what's happening with um, Richard Allen. Yeah. You know, they these they want to put everything out there and see if they can, you know, put some doubt in people's minds. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And and like I said, it's probably not something that's going to be crazy. Like I said, I, I truly think that what's what's in there is or what they want out is that one person wanted more information before they would, you know, sign the indictment. And when they were explained to the standard for, you know, grand jury indictment, they didn't jive with 1880 Idaho constitutional law. And they feel that they should. Um, get it dismissed based on those things and maybe, you know, go to a preliminary hearing. Um, I, I, I guess I get the, I get the, the tactic. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. The tactic is. Uh, 
Daniel, do you have the clip of Kaylee's parents where they say she was she was unalienable? Unalienable. I don't. I don't even think I've heard that. I'm not sure. I haven't even heard that clip. But um, so this is the order of sealing defendants reply to the state's objection to defendants' motion for interlocutory. And it says, hereby order the defendant reply to the state's objection to the defendant's motion to reconsider orders denying motions to dismiss indictment and in the alternative permission to appeal uh, from the interlocutory orders and stay of proceedings shall be sealed. So they want that sealed. They want to, they want part of it sealed. Right. And. And there's going to be a court hearing, I think, on the 26th. It may be the 24th. It's one of those two. Yeah, I think it's the 26th. Yeah, I heard it's 26th. Yeah. And, and the judge is going to decide on whether he's going to allow uh, Koberger to, um, I guess, appeal or move on forward. And it sounds like they're moving on forward. It appears that the they're going to be going to... <laughs> it sounds like they're going to court in the summer. You know, I, I saw earlier in the uh, in the live chat, people were asking, you know, which case is going to go first to court, Richard Allen or Brian Coburg? I think it's going to be Brian Coburg, and I think it's going to be this summer. What do you guys think? Where, where are you guys sitting on that? I, I think it's going to be Richard Allen, man. I honestly you think? think gonna, yeah, I do. I don't know why. I think there's more um, happening in with the you know with the motions with brian Colbert than there is with um uh so you think it is so you think that that brian coburgers is going to get pushed back more i think so i think the only way the uh, um the only thing the only way i think richard allen's case can be pushed back if they they kick out the 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 lawyers again yeah yeah but it's a lot if the lawyers were reinstated, they were going to do 70 days to trial. Mm. They were asking for that, but they got denied that. Yeah, that, That's yeah. been denied. Yeah. He got his attorneys with the the notice of saying, hey, they still might not be on your, you know, on your team. There's a chance mm -hmm. that they can still be kicked out. Uh, Tim says the whole preliminary hearing thing is to get pro the prosecution to shoot their wad prematurely and possibly to intimidate potential witnesses at trial. I would agree 100% with this statement. Not me. I never, anyways. Do, do you I, agree that the, uh, they're hoping that the prosecution prematurely evacuates? I mean, I never said, have. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we heard. <laughs> Damn it. Time to make <laughs> it's, so it's, it's it's Gary, man. Gary's the one that's telling these lies. Gary's telling the lies. That's funny. Uh, what do you call it? I, I I don't know, man. I think that I think that I think he's right. It's a tactic to get an idea of what all how the prosecution is planning to attack Cobra in trial. I, it's yeah. a good tactic. Now that you think about it, you know. I mean. I know she's gonna do her best to poke holes in all the things that they have, the, the mm -hmm. prosecution has. 
But at the same time, it kind of like, like you said earlier, is like they still haven't really put out a real alibi for what his, you know, his story is. You know, some something. All they're all we're getting is like, oh, they're gonna, you know, try to poke holes in the in the state's um, case and see if he can get off like that. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, his alibi was he was driving around, right? He's just driving around, yeah, not listening to music, not by himself, and not saying which direction he went. Yeah, that's hurt. That's gonna hurt a lot, man. I mean, the only person that can explain that is him. Mm -hmm. He's gonna have to go up on trial, like on the stand, to explain it because you know his lawyer isn't gonna be able to say, "Oh, I think Brian Koberger was driving this direction," or. Or Brian Koberger was doing that. No, that, that's not how it works. He's going to have to get up there and, and say where he was. Mm-hmm. And if he chooses not to, you know, during closing arguments or during, you know, during trial, the state's going to allude that he was out, you know, at the house committing the murders during that time. Even yeah. so, cross-examination, it's going to be simple for him to be. It's like, Mr. Goldberg, you're driving around in the city with the or town. I'm not sure. It's a small town. Place, the part of town, right, where these murders were conducted. Is this your car caught on camera? Is this your car here caught on camera? I'm pretty sure they have video footage of it somewhere. Well, he, he agreed he was driving around, so that tells me they, they have him. It's probably in Pullman, right? You know, those cameras there, they're, they are better. You know, the traffic cameras are better than what you get from a ring camera. You know, the technology is better. They can read license plates at night. So they probably have him driving around in Pullman. You know, they have him coming back at five o'clock and they probably have him leaving at that 240 something. And and, and that's where they got him. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, why didn't they arrest him soon? My opinion, they didn't find out to December 19th of who he was because he took that long drive around. You know, they probably looked at the cameras going into Pullman shortly after the murders occurred. And since he took an hour and some odd minutes to get there, you know, they had thousands of tips and thousands of city cameras to look into. They moved on to the next one. Yeah, not just city, like personal cameras, ring cameras. And also, like we all started off with the gas station camera, remember? But the gas station, everybody's like, that was a horrible view. That was a horrible picture that had a reflection of somebody's phone on it, I'm pretty sure the camera view was more clear. And that's the evidence the police have that we don't. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely evidence of, of something. I, I don't know how clear it is, but like I said, they, they definitely got his license plate. Like I said, it's probably in Pullman. After, after the IgG came back on December 19th with his name, uh, they probably went and looked into Pullman saying, hey, he had to have gone back home somehow at some time. So they expanded the search on the, on the cameras and sure enough, five thirty something there, he pulls in white Elantra, no front license plate. And now you can see the back license plate because you're on security camera or on, on, on traffic cameras that can read the license plate. I, I, if they didn't have that, I don't know if he admits that he was out driving around. Yeah. I mean, the, the, obviously they have a lot, of footage because he's admitting to being out there, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, I went to the store and I came back. Like, mm, I don't think that's true, sir. He, he does like you. he does like the shopping in Idaho. I, I don't know how much shopping you'll be doing between 
the hours of 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. in Idaho during the during the November nights when it's cold. Right. Who knows, man? He'll come up with something. I'll tell you that. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, um, it's like my meth dealer only sells from three to five. That's how many hours I can go. He's a part time. He's a part time <laughs> meth dealer. <laughs> that was that was a joke and and not a true fact. Okay, guys, that was a joke. That was a joke. Wait, you know what? Real quick, hold on, guys. We can't go any any further until. Now we can. This is a complete theory, our opinion, and speculation. Brian yeah. Koberger is presumed innocent until until proven guilty. Uh, oh, yeah. We're not turning the chat into members only yet. That's going to be... Oh, that would have been today. That is from Friday. We're, we got to do a members only show <laughs> here pretty soon. We forgot. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Our bad. But um, we got you. We got you. Disclaimer, uh, yes. NBC, ABC, whichever one it was. Disclaimer's right there. Okay, guys. We, we have it this time. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got it. You know, I, I just like I said, there's there's in the Richard Allen case, that, that road is windy. Uh, there's a fog. It, you know, it, it's you can kind of see the light, but, you know, you think there's there's potentially more people involved there. And this Brian Coburger case, it's like a freaking straight road. <laughs> there's like there's no clouds in the sky. There's a huge light at the end of the tunnel. And Brian Coburger's face is right there. As far as where where this is going, in my opinion, my opinion, yeah. my and, thoughts, and these motions are just like little speed bumps. I mean, they they're talk. The judge was talking about coming up with a date for the trial before he came up with an answer for this you know, reconsideration stuff. Well, what does that do. tell you? Yeah, <laughs> he knew about it, and he still created the date that they're going to put a date. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's just saying, all right, you know, we're all while we're at it, while I, while I'm we'll telling you it. no, let me let me go ahead and and, and put in a a time for a trial. Yeah, that's because I think they're they're trying to rush it, not rush it. They're trying to put it like they said. The whole reason why they had to demolish the house and do everything now is because they want the trials for the summertime. They want to avoid the school the school time, so that way it's not causing traffic or not causing a you know, um, a dilemma with ho- hotel rentals for graduations and a logistic know. problem. Yeah, so that's how, that's that town's too small for that. I mean, we saw when we tried to book something; everything was sold out. Yeah, that week that we wanted to go out there for his court hearing. Well, the Airbnbs were they were available, but they were expensive. Yeah, they knew they knew people were coming, but um, <laughs> uh. Yeah, man, uh, and I I get it. You know, move it as fast as possible. But you know, the summer logistically, it does make more sense. Um, you know, it, it doesn't cause an issue for for you know, safety concerns for high school students and, and college kids. And you got to look out for the community as well. And and he'll get have his day in court. I, I think personally, he's probably going to have his day before before Richard Allen. I think he's going to be, there's going to be a trial this summer. I think that the prosecution in the court system, they want justice already. And they want to, they want to try this guy, you know? Uh, and, you know, if he's putting out there that they're making trial dates when there's oh, yeah. still things pending, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that tells. Yeah, you're right. Oh, maybe they could both start at the same time. Sure. Yeah, it's because we're six months away, and the judge is gonna get these trial dates. You know, okay, we'll do the next trial in two weeks. Okay, accept or reject. Check off next trial. Next thing you want to rebuttal. Well, this is the date we're setting. Be ready. Yeah. She's like, where can I where can I schedule my prostate exam? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, he, he probably gets uh, one of those daily in, in prison after his his uh release. Nah, dude. He's gonna be on he's gonna be on segregation by himself. I know I after he gets out. off of the segregation after a while, they sometimes go to back to gym pop. Nah, dude, he's he's on he'll be on death row, Holmes. Well, that's right. I mean the death row has their own wing. Yeah, and then it's they're by themselves. <laughs> yeah. They want to make sure that the the state does the job and not the inmates. Yeah. You know what I mean? In those types of situations. Uh yeah, he he'd be on death row, he'd be segregated, he'd be by himself twenty three hours a day and, and get one hour to go outside in a cage to look at the sun. Until until his final day, if if he's found guilty, what's worse, spending life or or the penalty? I mean, when you it think is, about it, you know, twenty three hours almost, a day. Yeah, that's pretty bad, right? I mean, I think I mean, it is. But I mean, then again, like when you're on a, on death row, right? Like it takes years upon years too. I mean, I guess it depends where you're at, too. Well, it, it does because it gives the defendant um, time, time to, to do his appeals yeah. and, and all those things. They want to ensure they give that yeah. person every opportunity to prove that perhaps there was somebody else or that they're innocent so that they don't put an innocent person, you know, to death. So, yeah, yeah. Is those things happen. I mean, you know, I'd be ignorant to say that, you know, it's never happened before. It has. Yeah. You know, choose me. Uh, yeah, if you had I'd, those two options, life in prison I'd, or the latter, dude, I'd go quicker. Man, I don't want to be in a prison cell twenty three hours a day. If I'm a <laughs> me too, me too, man. Hey, me too. Exactly. Clock I'll start going that. backwards at that time. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't need one at that time. Right? Hell no, man. You go crazy yeah. in that type of situation, especially if you don't have like a window or something. Shoot, you don't even know what time it is. Hell no, man. What about you, Blue? Uh, What'd you pick? I'd say the DP. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, wrong conversation. Wrong conversation. Right answer to the wrong question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the right answer to the wrong question. <laughs> so, I would yeah. say death, death penalty, you know. The easiest uh, way out. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, if I was guilty and I did, it, I would probably man up and say, you know, death penalty. Let's go. Let's do, do it myself. What do they tell you? Is the firing squad? Hey, they say that's the best one. I don't know, man. That shit sounds painful as hell, dude. But you, you won't. You won't they miss after the first hit. At least you they, 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 they botch. If they botch the, the, the injections, they, they, they still burn well, the, the skins. They're, if you feel everything burning in your skin, then you slowly die. Well, then Dude, if, 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 I'm, if, if I wasn't part of the firing squad, 
knowing the way I play Fortnite, I'll be shooting <laughs> everybody's legs. <laughs> you shoot him in the foot. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know, dude. I, I I don't know if I would do the firing squad thing. I think at that point I might say, you know what? I'll go ahead and stay here. I don't want to go out like that. (laughs) If if that was the option, what would you choose if it was the firing squad? Because, you know, when you presented the fire squad, you're going firing squad? Sheesh. No, I want to be on the fire (laughs) squad. How how far do you think they're away from that shot? 25 yards, maybe? Shit, that's a freaking, that's a, that's a good distance to shoot, dude. You better be accurate as hell. Well, it's normally three sharpshooters, right? Um, only one gets a bullet. I think it's four and one get a bullet, but I don't. I don't know if they're they're like sharpshooters and they're like trying to shoot from a. Well, they probably are. Probably have the tri- up. They're from the academy, down. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the smart thing would be. It's probably elevated. And the subject would be lower because if if you're going straight ahead, you're, you're gonna hurt yourself with the other person on the other side. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I've never. I, I thought it was wild that they brought that back. You know, I didn't. I didn't think there was a chance that that was going to be, it's be done. They, and then they made the the manufacturing of the lethal injection and some of the chemicals illegal. Or some states they can't. Uh, they can't, can't get it. They can't get it. So that's the more lethal, I mean, the more euthanol way to do it without torturing somebody. Yeah, uh, you're probably right there, man. Um, but shit, if you didn't want to do it, if you couldn't handle that, you shouldn't have done the crime, right? Yeah, three hundred eight, and it says uh, so. Well, maybe six. Yeah, I mean, supposedly, I mean, I've from what I hear from what I read when they came back up, that you know, it, it's an instant. You get hit, you, you know, and pretty much your heart stops beating, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You're not in pain after that. And the other ones, you, the chemicals burn going in. They botch it. I mean, you, there's there's a story about the guy that they botched it and. You know, he, I guess, passed away, but he came back for a second, and then he was just screaming in agony. Yeah. Because it was burning, man. So. I for night, baby. Yeah. I want to say, uh, you know, thank you for those that supported tonight. We had Angel D, who was member for nine months. We had Canadian True Crime Buff, who gifted five Drunk Turkey Show memberships. Awesome. We appreciate thank that. You. So did Leticia. We hope you're doing better. We hope you're feeling good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doing better. One more night in the hospital, and we should be out. One more night. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to to you getting out in there. Everything went well. The real micro K came in with a nine ninety nine uh, super chest. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for the donation and the, uh, you know, the support. Mm-hmm. Overall, like I said, I mean, in both of these cases, they're going to be interesting, man. We're gonna we're gonna stay tuned. We're gonna watch. You know the court hearings and everything else. So make sure you like and subscribe. Um, do. You know, and share this if you can. If you see, um, you know, true crime podcast forums on Facebook or Reddit or whatever, share the share the cast, man. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, or if y'all know any interesting cases, shoot us an email or shoot us a message on Messenger that you might want to look at. Yeah, I know there's one right now with like these three chief fans that passed away outside frozen 
like making the rounds. Yeah. They were at their buddy's house and he woke up and they they couldn't get a hold of him. And the next day, yeah, the (laughs) next day they they went outside and there was three of them frozen to death. Family don't believe, you know, they think there's there's foul play. Law enforcement don't think there's foul play. They went for went to a football like um party, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I saw that one. But, That's crazy. But it, but that night of the game, man, it was like negative, like with the windshield, it was like negative thirty or some shit like that. So yeah, negative, I think it was negative twenty. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's not that hard to 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 get hypothermia yeah. and freezing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Well, guys, we'll be back on Monday. We're probably going to do a members only show this Sunday since I have nothing to do on Sundays anymore. And <laughs> wonder why the Steelers. Damn you, man. <laughs> it's okay. But uh let's yeah. go Texans. You know, I, I hope the Texans take it. I don't think they are. Remove them. I don't think they are. I think they're probably the least likely team to do it, but I hope they do. You know, because underdog, the underdog, you know, we we lost to Josh Allen and the Bills, and they were throwing snowballs at our players, so I don't <laughs> like them anymore. And then <laughs> The Chiefs, you know, I'm uh, sorry, Jaime, close your ears. I'm not a Swifty. Uh, that whole phenomenon. Oh, yeah. It's just bother- it doesn't bother me, but it's like, well, get back know, to the game. Nobody wants to watch what she's, you know, her dance moves, you know, on, I, on well, the. It's true. You know, the, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Jaime likes to watch her dance moves. But, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, you know, not just that, though. I mean, you have the whole, you know, um, Mahomes' brother, Patrick Mahomes. I think that's what his name is. Or Jackson Mahomes. There you go. Jackson, not Patrick. That's the guy. Jackson Mahomes. He, he's he got charges on him right now for sexual assault. You know, he forced a uh, a, um, a a bar owner to make out with him or something like that. And then he was also the guy that was, like, dancing on, on things on TikTok. And he danced on they were doing a Jersey retirement ceremony on this guy who was, he played for Washington and they were doing a remembrance of him. Uh, he had passed away. He was by intruders. Intruders went into his house and shot him uh, while during a robbery. And this dude was dancing. They, they put it, they put his Jersey on the field and they had like tight rope around it. He went around the rope and started dancing on the Jersey for TikTok. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't like him. I don't like the Chiefs because of it. It is what it is. Yeah. Maybe we should do a story about that player then. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Mahomes. Uh, he's 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 a weird guy, man. Um, does some weird <laughs> things. Does some weird yeah. things. I don't know. 50 is far away. I don't think we're going to get there. Uh, we're going to get uh, there, Blue. What are you talking about? We're going to get there. Well, no, this, dude. This, this year, this year. No, I'm just saying, we'll get there. I, I will honor it. I will honor it. <laughs> We're going to get there. We'll get there by the end of this year. I promise that. That's our goal for the year. That's our resolution. We're going to keep it this time, unlike all the other ones where we were promising to lose weight. We will keep <laughs> this New Year's resolution. Well, I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. This went a little bit longer than expected. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But with that being said, we're out. Peace. Later,